Hey, listeners, we're really excited about this episode where we get to speak with Steve Geralt, especially about his initiative, The Garage Learning. And stick around at the end of the episode because Steve came back to give us a little bit of an update on how that Kickstarter's going. We're literally throwing things or dropping things for the most part. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not rocket science. It's like the Three Stooges with an expensive camera. At the end of the day, I'm like, <laughs> we're not launching like Tesla rocket that lands itself. I mean, yet. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Can't Sell This podcast, dedicated to projects past that never saw the light of day. With your hosts, Hugh Elliott and Stefan Grambart. <laughs> uh, let's just yeah let's just get it get it started because uh I, you know time's limited and i want you to be able to get back to work um do you want to introduce yourself there steve sure i'd be happy to um i'm steve Geralt. i'm a new york city based uh director dp and visual engineer um we i run a production company called the garage um here we do really amazing cool tv commercials uh, using robotics and all sorts of creative technology, plus, you know, really innovative ways of telling stories about food and beverage. Um, and we have a lot of fun. Yeah. So, and here's the thing is that I would say probably when, when was this just over a year ago, I saw this video, which was a Hershey's s'mores thing. And it was like, the, I think the thing that blew me away, and I think probably what blew most people away, was the fact that it was it was practical. It wasn't it was like yeah. it was an effect. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you had you had like heated up chocolate on two things and squished between, and it was like yeah. this whole double motion in front of a screen. And I think there was the process video that drew me the most to begin following you and the work of the garage. Is just like, holy shit! Like that's <laughs> that's incredible. We do it, it for real. We really do. We, we we take the, the extra work that it takes to do stuff for real with food because I mean, to me, like food should be real. Like it's something you eat. You, you don't get the same appetite appeal if it's like digitally made. It's like, it just has to be mm-hmm. real, you know? So that's why we do all the crazy things we do so that we could shoot the real food in really cool ways. Like a couple of days ago, you posted, we're looking for an intern. And it was like, you posted the surrounding area from after a shoot. It was like, must be okay with cleaning. And I'm like, oh my God, like the amount of mess you guys must make. Oh, it's, it's yeah. Everything from honey to maple syrup to milk to cream to yeah. Chocolate. Like it's like our, our C stands and stuff are all covered in like, <laughs> and it's like, you know, like the, the fighter, the fighters will put marks on their plane for like, you know, all their bombing <laughs> runs. It's like, it's just, there's a history here just by looking at our stands and our, even the robot gets like splashed on sometimes. Yeah. So. Your, your relay boxes are all covered with marks. Like, oh, it's, it's like, yeah, it gets bad. And I think once the, once the pandemic hit, you know, watching, how quickly you started to really get involved in the learning aspect of what mm-hmm. you do. And I thought that was very, very cool to see. Um, it sort of did that pull the curtain open thing for mm-hmm. you guys. Yeah. No, for us, like once I saw, you know, coronavirus being a thing, uh, which was that like second week in March or whatever it was, uh, we were planning on, on launching our Kickstarter in like May or June at that point in time for the garage learning is something we had been, working on for you know probably a year before this. Um, so the second I saw this coming, I'm like, look, every job on our calendar is gonna get canceled. Like my producer mm-hmm. was like, no, no, maybe not. I'm like, no, 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 trust mm-hmm. me. 
everything's gone. <laughs> I'm like, let's let's distribute the equipment amongst the team. We're gonna we're gonna jump into garage learning. We're gonna just go for go home and like continue this story and keep telling our story um, and help other people keep yeah. going in creativity and and realize that at home in their garage, you know, they could do a lot of really fun stuff. And you know, we just need to teach them. So um, it was a lot of fun. It was also you know, you realize like, oh yeah, this is what it was like before I had a studio with every tool imaginable um, where I'm like, oh yeah, so here I was in my basement in our house and I was just like, oh, I need something to do this. Okay, well, let me get this piece of wood and I have this other thing and like, let me put it all together. <laughs> and, and once again, this is what we're trying to tell our people to do um, and, and saying that, hey, you can do this yourself at home. And so it was a really great exercise for us to actually have to do it at home. Yeah. Um, you know, which was like perfect. It was a, such a good learning experience and it really is helping us now they're really diving into the final details of the garage learning because we're launching the Kickstarter. Um, once again, it was a great experience and I wouldn't take it back. You know? Well, I would, I would say one of the, one of the more interesting things is when, when you show and, and, and for the, okay. So for the record today is October 12th and your Kickstarter is launching next week. Yep. Um, and uh, you know, this episode will be out shortly after that. Yeah. Um, the, the really interesting thing that I found when you're posting about the Kickstarter is specifically how you have levels of, it's almost like levels of <laughs> a difficulty kind of thing, like the advanced basic and, and intermediate is the idea yeah. of like, this is full robotics. This is like spinning a, a you know, a, a tray and, and, and this is a small motor plus that, you know, I just think that right. was the, the most MacGyvery kind of <laughs> like, what do you have in your house kind of situation right. versus we're going to send you a kit. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, for us, that's like, I got here from the beginning, right? Like I didn't magically wake up one day and like, oh, I'm a visual engineer. I have, you know, $500,000 of equipment. No, like, like we want to help other people guide their way from the very, very beginning all the way to where I am now. And, and for that, it's like, some people are like, oh, it's just like a one class and like, no, 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 no. This is going to be like eventually hundreds of courses um, every aspect of being creative and bringing art and engineering kind of together. And, you know, once again, help guide you through that process and start with what you have and then you start getting hired to do some small jobs and you get some bigger jobs and you buy more stuff and then you get bigger, bigger jobs and you get buy more stuff. You know, um, a lot of people don't think that, think that they can't get started until they have everything. You know? And it's just like, no, mm -hmm. get started today, right now with what you have. And we're going to try to help you understand that you could do that and how that could work. Mm -hmm. So before um, you, you know, people had access to something like uh, garage learning, how would you, how would you learn this craft? Is it something that you would just learn on the job as a, you know, a DOP or photographer and you just have to figure it out for yourself? Um, I, I kind of figured it out for myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, um, there's not any real resources in this realm for, you know, learning in any film school. I mean, there's no, you know, maybe there's some sort of special effect course somewhere, or there's maybe a course on lighting or food and beverage, but like nobody has ever brought it kind of together, you know, and, and that makes it harder to learn because there's no guide or no, you know, no way to know that you're going in the right direction or you're, you're doing the right thing. And, and it is such a unique blend of skills. I mean, what we do is like, you know, obviously I've run a business, so, hey, you got to know, know the business side, so we're going to cover that also. You know, I'm an artist and a creative, so I got to be able to tell stories um, really well. And that's also really important. And then there's the execution side, the, 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 the how do you make the thing do the thing? And, you know, for me, the art has always led 
the technology. Like I'm always like the story is what I come up with first and then I figure out how to execute that story, you know, where some people are like, oh, I have this thing. How do I use it to tell a story? And that can work too. That, that's the thing. It's, there's not a one correct path to doing what I do. Um, I think it's just embracing the knowledge you have and the skills you have and how do you leverage that in storytelling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if I remembered correctly, you, you initially were like a product photographer, like you, yeah. you were doing pro Still product photography. photography. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and was there like a point when you, you just put like a something on a small board and went bang and like it flipped up and you went, I'm going to take a picture of that. Like, is that like, <laughs> like you just slowly went like, I'm just going to make a catapult and see what happens. Cause every time, like when you started discovering pneumatics, when you started discovering motion control in terms of like i'm going to spin something and flip it up in the air and it, it comes apart in a very definable way and a repeatable way but always random like that to me like i'm a motor i'm a i'm a, a maker so like i'm totally into it i'm, I'm just watching these <laughs> things going oh man yeah so you're like spritzing and then throwing stuff in and like i loved it and it's it's been so much fun to watch um has it just been like a slow pace of discovery it, like it's a lot of discovery and that's the thing like with what all the courses we're putting together and any any film school it's like it's just you have to put in the time like there's no mm -hmm. replacement there's literally no replacement for that like and the sooner you start the better you know it's like that whole saying like it's like oh it takes ten thousand hours to master something and it's like no that's true that's for mastering anything pretty much whether you want to be a script writer or you want to be a lawyer or whatever it is you got to put in that time but, you know, once again, by us giving you fun assignments to do, it's a little easier to find a reason to go out into your garage and mess around. And you have at least a guide, because a lot of people just aren't really yeah. good at, you know, let's like, oh, I'm just going to go in and see what I could do with this today. You know, this right. and my smartphone. So I think, but no, it's, it's a lot of discovery. And that's the thing. Every day, even today, we're still learning. Every shoot, we're learning something new. We're, we're trying something new and, and it's exciting to me, but it's also like, I look at what I did like two years ago. I'm like, oh, that was, I didn't know what I was doing back two years ago, you know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, people are like, two years ago, you're doing, you know, national, you know, global TV spots for Pepsi. And it's like, yeah, I know, but I can do them better today, you know, cause, yeah, because yeah. of that. You just gotta day, rehire me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause every day we're, you're learning and you at least every day you should be learning and you should be yeah. trying new things and you should kind of push yourself out of your comfort zone. Um, and we love doing it. And once again, we have so much stuff here. It's like ridiculous. We're about yeah. to move. We're about to move too. And I'm so scared what that's going to look like packing everything and trying to get it out of here after like years and years of being in here. Right. You mean the studio is moving? Yeah. Yeah. We're moving wow. to, Brooklyn, to Brooklyn in okay. uh, January-ish, January, February. Um, we're going from uh, like 2,500 square feet to 10,000 square feet. So that's, Whoa. yeah, a lot of that is like, we need room for learning to have its own studio as yeah, well right. and and also um, we're also spinning off a robot rentals company too so the garage rentals uh, we're going to get three more huge robots so we're going to have a huge line of of every kind of cinema robot that kind of is used really mainstream you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. stefan and i've talked about the ten thousand hours concept but the but the idea is is not necessarily that you have to have done those ten thousand hours to be good at something you can get good as you go okay. and by ten thousand hours you can consider yourself really good at that one thing but the the interesting thing about being sort of a um a product a motion engineer is is mostly that like <clears throat> you're probably pretty good at pneumatics and relays and control 
but also pretty good at the concept of composing a shot and how right. and how things go from one point to another part of what marketing is 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 selling to the client like saying like this is what we're going to do like you know what i mean so so they mm-hmm. go we have this product and you go I can do something with that, you know, and like you have to, you (laughs) have to explain ahead of time, like do your storyboarding and things like that. I think that's, that's where we, we as, as makers tend to ignore the the concept of the incremental excellence that you can attain. Right. Mm -hmm. No, it's definitely, it's iteration, you know, over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, but you could, you could try it in different ways. I mean, like the first time, exactly. I use pneumatics. I'm like, oh, how does this work? You know, like, I'm like, okay, I plug this in here. I turn the pressure on. I push the button and it goes, boom, okay. Now I'm like, all right, what can I do with this thing that does this pump, you know, throws yeah. things one direction. Uh, so then I started building my first catapults and I'm like, oh, playing with that. Then I was like, oh, but what if I put like a container on the end of the catapult with a little motor on it to spin it while it's also throwing it. And then, you know, you, you kind of build yeah. on that. And, and even today we're still learning better ways to make sure pneumatics stay as reliable as possible. Um, Cause I mean, I guess that's a big question I get, right? Is why don't you just do it by hand? You know, like people like, like put a cup in your hand and throw it and put it in front of the camera. Why is it so hard? Why do you need all these things? And they don't realize that like humans are good at doing about one thing at a time. Yeah. <laughs> um, pretty much like I might be able to throw something well, but I can't make sure that the light is right and that the focus mm-hmm. is right and that it's in the right part of the frame and it's, you know, blah, blah, blah. So pretty quickly I was like, oh, I need to automate these things so I have mm-hmm. control over them. So I know what shape the liquid's gonna make. I know where the liquid's gonna be at what time. So mm-hmm. if I wanted to hit something else, I could align those actions together. You know, so we always kind of build like from the set back to the camera. So we kind of get the action right first so yeah. it's like, oh, okay, this thing flies, this is thing, because then now we know what it's going right. to do, so we could fly the camera through and around that thing. Because if, if there's any incons- inconsistencies in the action, mm-hmm. then the camera is not going to be in the right place at the right time. You know? So you know, it allows us like, really precision um, accuracy, and th- that's what shows in our stuff as much as people yeah. are like, it just looks like you threw it up in the air. And it's like, no. Well, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, repeatability, it, right? Like and yeah. repeatability, like being able to do that exact same action a dozen times without fail. And I mean, by design, uh, human beings are a multi-purpose tool, right? So that they're they're not going, we're never going to be as good at throwing something and spinning it at the same time as a machine that has been designed to do specifically that one thing. Right, right. And that's the great thing about the six-axis robots for us is that. Mm-hmm they they could do a lot of different things actually it's not, i don't we like at first we used to machine build everything exactly but now we could put a container on the robot and it could throw things in the air for us um and we could have we could make micro adjustments to exactly how it does that versus like if we had a rig with a pneumatic that could only just do one direction it's a lot harder to tweak those actions um so for us it's been really great to have the robots and be able to just say hey this one tool could do a lot of different things for us um, compared to, you know, just making a pneumatic catapult, for example, where it's just mm-hmm. like, it's a physical action that, that you can't vary it for too much other than speed and pressure and, you know, basic stuff like that. But like to have the robot be able to act as a catapult and put like twists and turns and cut back and like do all sorts of fun stuff. Um, it's definitely opened, you know, new possibilities, but not to say we didn't start with a simple pneumatic until we understood 
how that works and then then went to the next step you know mm -hmm. yeah it just means your toys got more expensive <laughs> <laughs> right right, right <laughs> like right, look right. what i can do man all right look mm -hmm. at that robot so the only the only six axis robot i'm aware of and I, there's obviously more makers than that i'm thinking about kuka robots i shared the link in the and yeah, I'm just giving there. you the link to the people that make our robots. Oh, okay, Mr. Too. Moko, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not so, Mr. Moko, surely, but <laughs> that would be pretty funny. Yeah. Um, Mr. Moko. But, uh, but once again, like, I think since, you know, probably people listening to this are going to be like, how do I get started? You know, like, there's actually, I'll put it in the chat here too, um, Autodesk, who makes Maya, um, mm. makes a plugin called Mimic for Maya that is a free open source plugin that'll help you control robots like Kuka's from Maya, basically. So mm. you make your you make your move with a camera inside of Maya, like you know, three D renders, you know, animators would do. Then you actually export that to the real world. Um, yeah, it's really cool. Um, and the people, the guy Evan that runs the the plugin is like really helpful and really useful. Well, you, uh, and you see you see it often in in uh, movie making where because they're trying to map the exact same motion for CGI when they're when they're mapping in you know CGI elements they'll they'll have that robotic motion on a track and they'll run that same track in the real world and that same camera motion mm -hmm. is happening in both the real world and the digital world so that they can then map the CGI correctly. I, I assume that's probably the same we, thing for what we you guys do a do. lot of that. We do a lot of that. So we work a lot with VFX houses. Uh, you know, like uh, the mill and other places like that, mm -hmm. where our software with the robot that we didn't make, but that we use, will actually let up, they, they, they could give us a camera move from Maya, we could import it, the robot will do it. If we make any changes, we can make changes and we could actually send it back to them. Um, right. So that like the virtual like animation they make in ours just line up beautifully, perfectly, yeah. you know, which is kind of amazing when you see that happen where you're like, oh, whoa, that's so cool. Like, because you're doing so. a lot of stuff on green screen for chroma key, right? So then yeah. that yeah. is then put into an environment. So yeah. 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 And I think there's, there's this level of um, combining, um, you know, virtual digital technologies, but with, with more practical effects. And we're seeing that as well in, in film and television, you know, with the return of this very old VFX technology of, of you know, front projection screens uh, over uh, the use of green screen. Um, so, and then the idea of, of updating that with the fact that you can have a, a, a real-time CG scene projected onto that with a uh, an accelerometer built onto the camera so that it, it it understands where in the room the camera is and again so rather than just creating 100% cg there's now this level i guess of authenticity is is the word that i'm looking for mm -hmm. yeah like yeah it's called real time virtual production i just dropped a link in there mm -hmm. to uh, a yeah. bts of the mandalorian where they that's what i was going to say is the mandalorian yeah, yeah. The, uh, that's so the they're just called the led volumes they're called you know where basically you're surrounded by led screens top bottom all the way around and real time it's like the cg world which is the all the background is adjusting to your camera's perspective because um, that's the big thing like people printed out things in the background before but they don't change dynamically in perspective because it's a 2D thing. Um, the really cool thing about this, especially in our world too, is that with this, you get the real reflections and refractions. Yes. Because like when we're green screening beverages, Glass. let's, let's yeah. say, yeah, like seven, seven up, it's like, oh, well, you have to have a real background behind that or else it's going to look, it's never going to look real because mm -hmm. the way the ice cubes refract and, and it does all of this. But with a volume like that, you could actually now shoot it in the real world 
Um, they don't, they're not quite up to, to high speed slow motion yet, uh, but give it a few more years and I think they'll be able to work that out, you know? Yeah, I just, just, I just shared like a, a link. Sorry, I just shared a link to Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. They put a screen up and they put a camera facing the guard so that when the guard moves. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. was like, that's the same, <laughs> same idea. That's yeah. the first time I saw that. I was like, you know, then I saw the Mandalorian like, oh, okay. That's Mission mm -hmm, Impossible, mm -hmm. man. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess the, the point that I've been circling around lately is how th this seems to be something that we should be teaching and you know at least part of this road for a garage learning uh, and even just the entire growth in the education industry that's been happening online and because of covid post-secondary education completely shut down i don't know how it is where you are but um i teach at ryerson and everything right now is online only the question starts to arise is like why am i paying for a university education when i could just you know pay a fraction of the cost at you know right. master class or udemy or that's, i guess so. the whole thing right like like that hershey s'mores spot that you you referenced earlier that was one of our first motion control shoots and that was all custom made like that was not like that was something you can make in your garage literally like that what moved the camera what moved all the objects were just stepper motors that we were controlling through dragon frames software um and you know once again like as far as if you wanted to build that yourself at home and you didn't own any of that gear, minus the cameras and lenses, of course, and lights. But like just the action and everything, you could probably do it for a couple thousand dollars. You know, like it's not unattainable if you had a client that was going to give you a hundred thousand dollars to do it. You know, like or whatever it is. But but I'm just saying, <laughs> but you, that that was an extreme level. That was like eleven axes or thirteen axes that we were using for that whole thing. So different. That that's how many different motors we were using. Not to say you can't do something with two or three to start out for you know a couple hundred bucks. Um, and then, and once you own these, yeah. you could also do all sorts of different things. It's a one-time investment. And then the, the, it's about your creativity and how far you could go. You know, we get asked all the time, like, what's the starter KUKA robot? And it, it's a, it's a pencil <laughs> head yeah. slider, you know, like, honestly, like that's three axes of movement yep. and it lets you do a lot, especially if you could be creative around how you use it. And even better, like the big thing that we do is a lot of motion control as far as the thing in front of the lens. So many people concentrate on just the camera. Like we concentrate way more actually on how we move things in front of the camera because that's really how we bring this mm -hmm. into our storytelling. Because like anybody can move a camera around, but it's a whole different thing for the action to be intertwined with that camera movement. And that's what kind of brings a whole new level to a lot of what we do. But once again, it's not something you can't do at home if you invested in some basic tools and were willing to spend the time to learn how to do it. You know, I think one challenge, which is something that we're gonna be teaching too, is how do you custom machine brackets and parts and stuff like that. So we're gonna have basic intermediate advanced courses. So with your cordless drill, with the right kind of bits, how can you make some of these like the basic side? You know, on the advanced side, oh yeah, you should have a drill press or a mill machine. We could get into more advanced milling and you know, all sorts of stuff like that. But these are all parts of the process. You know, it's not just the creative. It's not just the only the camera or the technology. It's like, how do you put them together? Yeah, it's the orchestration. I think it's one of the biggest mistakes people make and is they, they get, they're afraid to start. So, you know, the, and this happens a lot in our conversations uh, with various people is, is just start, like take a picture of something, you know, take a video of something, move the camera and see what happens. You see it a lot now where, 
there's there it's it's almost like a fear a, a fear of like i'm not going to do a good job well you're not going to do a good mm -hmm. job if you never try mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know there's two things that, that i noticed with what you do and and one of the things is you're not precious about the <laughs> machines so it's like you you put your stuff to when you're saying like well i mean like i own a bunch of stepper motors i take them off of stuff the things i build get taken apart because I need those rails right, and I need, right. I need those brackets and I need those mounting mechanisms and the, and the lead screws and things like that. People think you build that thing and it, it's like set in stone. It's like, no, it's a piece of machinery that I can take apart like and Legos. put together in a different <laughs> way. Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. Like Lego. Well, you know, expensive Legos right. that run 12, sure. 24 yeah. volts. But, <laughs> but the idea, I mean, that, and, and that's what our I just that we're going to be selling are all about. It's like, creating an ecosystem of parts. Yeah. So yeah, just to give you a little rundown, the kits are all things that you put together yourself. So we send you all the parts mm -hmm. and you learn as you're putting together the slider, you learn about a lead screw, you learn about the motor mount, you learn about, you know, all these things, uh, linear rails and ball bearings and all that stuff. And the, the video that teaches you how to put it together breaks out all those things into make, like as much detail as you want to go into. So that now mm -hmm. you learn how to make this one but you could take that information and build a bigger one, a smaller one. You could, you know, once again, like we taught you how to build it and how it works so that now you can make your own versus if you just bought one from B&H, okay, that does the one thing, but I didn't learn how it, how it's made, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. So same thing with making your own LED yeah. light kits that we're going to have and pneumatic catapult kits and all this stuff that are all designed to be like, you build a little LED, you could make a bigger one, you can make a smaller one. It's the same principles. Yeah, application and extrapolation are, are, are some of the things that people have the most difficulty with because they don't see, it's not having the understanding. And I think that's what's most interesting about what you're teaching. And, and like, even to the extent of really early on, like the videos posted by some of your crew, the relay switch box is the one that I was most interested in because I'm like, I've used relays a, a gazillion times, but using them as a, as a timing mechanism, that just, <laughs> I was like, okay, that makes a lot more sense. Because I have like, you know, series of relays, and the idea of just sending them a value, which then sends the controller a signal, which means you can orchestrate an entire event having yep. one box. I think that's <laughs> at just the end fantastic. of the day, I'm like, what we're doing isn't rocket science. I mean, we're not we're not launching like you know self a Tesla ro rocket that lands itself. I mean, we're literally usually throwing yeah. things, we're literally <laughs> throwing things or dropping things for the most part. You know, it's not it's not rocket science, <laughs> but it's like. It's like the three stooges yeah. with an expensive it's like camera. It's like how you, again, how you orchestrate those events over time and space this is where yeah. the science comes into it and the creativity comes into it. Mm -hmm. But like when I did my, my, my burger drop, you know, four years ago, which was like the, my first big viral um, event, it was run by an Arduino, which is a, you know, $30 microcomputer, some RC car servos. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, some rubber bands and that, that was mostly some, a little welding and other stuff like that. But other than of course the robot with the camera moving through these items, all the things that happened in front of the camera was all stuff that yeah. I just made myself and wasn't rocket science. It's just the subtleties of how you, <laughs> how you get through all those things that, that make all the difference. And obviously having a, a camera on a robot and a phantom and all those things, made it even more amazing, but not to say there's not somewhere you could start. Yeah. You know how your feed gets inundated with whatever <laughs> yeah. you happen to be looking at. So like I'm a lot, of, I look at a lot of maker projects, a lot of cinematography stuff. And what's really interesting now is I'm seeing a lot of behind the scenes on people using their smartphone to create really cinematic mm -hmm. video and, and photography and, and how a guy had a drill with a sparkler and it was like, he, 
ran the sparkler behind somebody, had them standing still, but it looked like they were shooting, you know, a thing using long exposure. And I just think in a lot of cases, we discount what would be, you know, <laughs> discount methods. And I, I'm like, but, but we shouldn't, we should never choose to ignore what could be very easily accomplished if it just comes down to imagination. And imagination is is probably the most valuable resource someone like you would have. You know, if you look back you know? at, we put up a uh, Coca-Cola shot that had three Coca-Cola cans spinning and, and it was shot with my iPhone. Um, and it was like, once again, it was like a piece of wood, mm. some fishing line, a few Coke cans. And like, we happen to have a few lights, we could have used window light, you know? And once again, like, oh, wow, mm -hmm. that looks really cool. That looks like a real commercial. And Daniel Schiffer and some other people did versions of it, which was really fun to see what people, like people are like, I want to try that, you know? And that's like the whole goal of what we're trying to do with Garage Learning is just like, give people things that they're like, oh, I want to try and give them little victories too. So like, oh, I, I, I started, which is the hardest part for most people. And I finished something. Yep. Oh, let me do that again. You know, that's kind of so much of what we're trying mm -hmm. to inspire in people. Um, but you could do it with just a little fishing line and some Coke cans. In the next few weeks, we're, <laughs> we're actually as part of the Kickstarter um, that runs from October 20th to uh, Cyber Monday, November 30th. Um, we're going to be sharing a bunch of stuff like this at the beginner level, intermediate level, and advanced level of showing the same shot, literally. So it's like, I don't know if you saw our... Uh, what we call the spin rig of death. It was like this like thing that we built where we put the camera on it and it was going like 160 RPM around a, a, a center point. It was a, we, we did it for Jack Daniels. Um, and yeah. <laughs> so we're actually doing a beginner version of that, which is just like using some wood and pushing it by hand with your smartphone on it. We're going to do an intermediate, which is, you know, using a slightly right. better camera, using a little 80-20 extruded aluminum, you know, an actual bearing, a ball bearing, you know, in the middle of it. And then the advanced, yeah. we're actually going to take the same rig that we did for that shoot. And we're going to add fire and things flying. And like, we're really kind of taking it up a notch there because once again, it's the advanced <laughs> version. It should be to the level of the craziness that we do every day. But but once again, we're trying to like mm -hmm. show people that there, there's going to be some differences in how you approach the shots, but that you could still do the same cool things slightly differently with whatever you have, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and those kits, those will eventually be extremely helpful. You know, I find that's one of the things that I've been looking at is integrative content creation. So essentially, there's this whole group of people who are creating content for Twitch. And in my research, the video games industry relies heavily on this, this sort of like gaming video content that's created as its primary source of, of advertising. You know, when you want to buy a video game, you watch somebody else play it on YouTube. That's how you decide if you want to buy it. But the problem is, is that uh, even though prosumer studio costs have come down, there's still a lot that's involved in building a home studio. And, and again, um, Hugh, like you were saying, people have this fear of starting because they just don't know where to begin. So even there, where did they go to learn how to build one of these studios? So part of my research has been putting together one of these studios and realizing that it takes a lot of room. It takes a lot of research. It takes the ability to put all this equipment then together. And that's before you even start creating content. And then Steve, like you were saying, there's a business side, there's, you know, a social media marketing. side, there's a communication side, marketing, all these things. That's one person, one content creator has to do that on their own. They don't, you know, very rarely do they have a team. Yep. So yeah. uh, the issue I find is that there's still this level of accessibility that, that needs to be addressed. Otherwise we're going to be in the same position as we are with every other medium 
which is that it's only those who can afford it that will be able to become the content producers. So I think this idea of, uh, of putting a learning channel out, making it affordable, and then also offering kit um, is going to help those that normally wouldn't have access to that level yeah. of no, absolutely. education. I mean, a lot of what inspired the garage learning was the amount of people that on, on Instagram, honestly, like we have followers all over the world. Um, actually, like something like 75% of our following is outside of the US, actually, um, in Indonesia, Russia, uh, Brazil. I mean, it, it's kind of crazy how much India is huge. They really love us. Um, and it's hard, right? Because, you know, you're a 15 year old in Pakistan. No, you don't, you can't, even our kids affordable is trying to make. Like, they're like, no, that's like three months of my, my the money I make, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, and never mind import duties and, and shipping and all those other things. So we're trying to do our best to try to make things as affordable as possible. And on the beginner side of things, we're really concentrating on like, you're not going to buy our kits as a beginner unless you happen to have a little more money. But most of those people are going to just look around their house and try to figure out how to make a similar version what, what they have access to on the intermediate under intermediate level. Now we're going to give you access to the kit building videos. So if you didn't want to buy them yourself, you could try to custom make the parts yourself and, and stuff like that. Knowing that in some countries, like the shipping would be more than the product um, to, to import. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the big mm-hmm. goal of the kits is for those who, who can get them, it, they, they are affordable to somebody, let's say in the U S or, you know, a more, um, you know, a bigger level country where, you know, you have more money floating around. Um, cause you know, what's got a $300 led light that does the same thing as an aperture $1,200 light, you know, that's amazing, but it's still $300 for, for somebody, you know, but the beginner courses with the Kickstarter, they're going to be like 75 or $79, um, you know, for a whole year of learning that, you know, you water that, that down over a year. That's a really good investment. Um, as far as, as, as we see it, mm-hmm. um, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would be weird to sell something that you're like, I, I wouldn't see it as worth anything. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 as far but as approachability and accessibility is, Did you, you know, just to summarize. So. Yeah. Those, those, those two things are, those two things are really key. And I think, you know, I, I think we, we tend to ignore them. The second we see something complicated, we tend to ignore the simple answer mm-hmm. to that, that problem. And I, and, and it, you know, we, we often as a, as a technologist, working in advertising, you know, a, a lot of times someone will, they'll come to me with an idea and it will be so complicated. I'll be like, well, you know, with a, with a smoke <laughs> machine and a projector, we could probably manage that same sort of thing. And the number of times I've, I've said the, the phrase Pepper's ghost to somebody and they kind of go, what is that? I'm like, well, Disney used to do it all the time and they're, you know, it's an angled piece of glass and you project onto it and it looks like a ghost. Oh my God. I'm like, well, Let's take a second and and let's embrace what what has been done and and and, and figure out what, how best to accomplish that very same thing. Yeah. You know, I think as North Americans specifically, I think we have a habit of overcomplicating <laughs> things. Mm-hmm. When when one one thing could be done in a very simple manner, and we ignore it because we think right. it's got to be done yeah. in a complicated. No, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's one of the, yeah. the best parts yeah. about what you're And to proposing. me, it comes back to my roots. Like my, both my parents are Cuban. They came, you know, from Cuba in the sixties. You know, the, the Cubans are very resourceful type of people, you know, like they, they're stuck in 1950s still today in so many ways, you know, so they have to fix these like 1950 mm. Chevys and make them work and they'll get parts from some Russian car yeah. and put them together. Like, 
And so much of that, it was, I think, just in my dad's upbringing and in my upbringing from that tradition of trying to make it work somehow, you know, like we, we also weren't the kind of family mm-hmm. that would like call the repairman to fix like the dryer if it stopped working or something like my grandfather would come over with like a little multi-tester and like the diagram of like all the circuits and like try to figure it out. Yeah, seriously, it was just like, and I would just like <laughs> yeah. sit there and watch it. And it wasn't until later in my life I realized that that was really ingrained into me. Like that, that way mm-hmm. of thinking of, oh, cause I, I see other people that are like, oh, the, the sink is leaking. Let me call the plumber. I'm like, no, let me get down there and see why it's leaking. You know, like, uh, just kind of yeah. go in and just naturally try to fix things. You know, it's just kind of part of my upbringing of who I am. Um, and also, I just have the ability to just watch a YouTube video and learn something. You know, where I think some people need mm-hmm. to have a little more hands-on. A lot of the reason for the kits that we're selling mm-hmm. is, is having something physical in front of you, you know, and the fact that our course, course is going to be designed to be like two-way so that you're not just watching a YouTube video blindly, but no, now you're part of a community of other people that are sharing knowledge mm-hmm. in their forums about that course that you're taking. You're sharing the product, your version of the assignment that we made. We have people rating the work that you do and you get feedback from others. That's a whole different experience than just watching a YouTube video and doing it yourself blindly. You know, So that's a lot of what we're trying mm-hmm. to bring into our learning management system and the platform is that it's not just watching videos like Masterclass. You actually do assignments, there's quizzes, you upload content that you make and you get it reviewed in some way, whether it's by your, your peers or through instructors. And you know, once again, I think we're trying to bring as that human touch of real education online as possible. Obviously, if we have 10,000 people that are, are paying for subscriptions. No, we can't have a thousand instructors up there like reviewing, trying to find the best balance either through a peer review system or by paying a little extra mm-hmm. to get your work reviewed or something like that, that you could get that knowledge when you need it. But our hope is that the community we're going to build, you know, like the advanced students will help the beginner students. So the intermediate students will help other intermediate students, you know, kind of like that sense of community where you guys are helping each other out and everybody is on the same goal of doing cool content and trying to experiment. And, mm-hmm. and as many of these like-minded people we get together, the better. There's this concept of alumni of past employees, but in in your case, I think it's even more on the mark, this idea that you have uh, students who have gone through the program who become alumni and then potentially could somehow be involved again as mentors. So as it grows, uh, the number of people who come through the program end up helping those that come after them and then just grows that level. And you don't need to have extremely experienced mentors for every aspect of it. You can have some of these alumni take on those roles and it just makes it a much richer experience. A hundred percent part of our goal. And also to, you know, once again, for those people that put in that time and help us out, we'll give them three months of thing, three, three months of classes and stuff like that. So they're incentivized to help. Basically we want everybody to be here in the garage learning community for the same reason to, to learn, to help others learn. I mean, that's why I do it, which is so unique as a tabletop director, because once again, this is traditionally speaking, people that do the work that I do keep it as, as locked up and as secretive as possible. <laughs> this episode of Can't Sell. Yeah, exactly. The exactly. <laughs> you know, so. when, you know, I'm curious, actually, uh, Steve, I want to bring this back to the, the commercial work because, you know, with the pandemic and you went into lockdown, New York was hit so hard in the beginning Obviously work, yeah. all work stopped. I would say like, I mean, as, as the company I work for as well, most commercial work just went gone. 
And it was like, it was really interesting right at the beginning, again, the second week of March, a lot of clients came racing at us. They desperately needed to figure out what to do. And then as the pitches were returned, they would go, mm, we're going to, we're going to hold uh -huh. on to our money. You know, like they didn't know how, how long this was going to last. And I've, I've seen now you posted something where you, you have actually started your commercial work back up and same is happening with us. So like our commercial work ramped back up late in mid August, um, <clears throat> July, mid July to, to August, but it's now back almost in full production and we're, we're all, you know, 100% booked. Um, have you found that as well? Like, are you, are you sort of, that's helped you to allow the springboarding of the garage learning is all about right. well, the yeah. funding. I mean, that's right? why we're doing the Kickstarter without it, you know, cause I mean, that's where we, we get a lot of questions too about like, why do you need our money? You're a big baller director. You're making all this money, you know, like, and I'm like, no, not really. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, like what we have planned for the garage learning is not just like a YouTuber. That's like a one man band. It's way more rich and deep than that. I mean, we're going to need 10 people for a whole year to mm. really create what we want to create. And that takes over a million dollars to do, you know, plus a space and the cameras and the video editing and the, you know, motion graphics and the R and D. And, you know, once again, it's a, it's a huge undertaking we're trying to, to do. And I can't do that because I'm shooting commercial jobs. I need to hire a team. Yeah. Uh, we brought on a co-founder, Chris, who's like amazing. He has a background in both film and in education. It's like really amazing. But as far as going back to like the pandemic and that effect on us, uh, we, once again, yeah, all our work disappeared. We actually started doing some jobs in May, which was really early. Very, very wow. tiny crews, you know, like literally one job was just yeah. me. <laughs> um, and then right. another job we did was like, we basically we did a bunch of jobs at like with like four people, you know, like in this whole studio, you know? Right. So it was like, because the robots helped us a lot too, because they could do a lot of the, the things that you normally need a human to do, like operate a camera and pull focus and, you know, all that stuff. It does all those things. And I know how to operate the robot myself. I know how to run the phantom camera myself. I know how to do the rigging myself. That's where I'm really unique in that way, where I was kind of built for really thrifty coronavirus shoots, you know, because like, I don't need a, I don't need a phantom <laughs> operator and a DIT. And a, I mean, I like to have them, but I know how to do those jobs, which is really unique. So, so we did yeah. like some work for like Budweiser early on because they wanted to put out some work. Uh, so we did like a 10 days of work in May, 10 days in June. Um, and then kind of in July, August is where we kind of came back to work at the studio, like normally, you know, a little bit more. Um, so, mm -hmm. but yeah, but by that point, New York City was in a way better place um, than earlier, you know, like April and May were really scary. Yeah. 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 Um, Shit. <laughs> you know. I, it, it, no, it, it's 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 weird. It, it's it's very strange, and it, it, we're all dealing with it. And I think all of our episodes that have occurred since the middle of March have been very much focused on like, so how are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, I think the level of empathy everybody is showing towards each other right now is great. Have you been finding? the response to the Kickstarter is, uh, I'll is let you know by the time this comes out. <laughs> but um, yeah. <laughs> uh, we find out, you know, next next Tuesday on the 20th. But um, from the beginning, yeah. the reason we're doing this is there is so much interest. I mean, there's thousands of people. Like, I was mm. looking back at, you know, when I was trying to figure out, like, how big is that interest really? And it's like, I've DM'd with, like, 6,000 people over the years on Instagram. You know, I was looking. I, you could download your data. We were, like, yeah. looking at all the data. So once again, will all those people buy a subscription or whatever? I, I don't know. I mean, our hope is that it does well. 
and it's people like you, the maker type person that loves just to tinker and play around. And, and once again, that, that's a whole side of the market. Then there's the photographer, cinematographer that wants to do cool things. There's the person that has their Etsy yeah. shop that wants to do some cool videos for their products or somebody that just works at a brand. You know, we, we've even had meetings with, you know, these big ad agency in-house studios that are like, oh, we want our people to have this education so that our in-house studio people can learn how to do cooler stuff with video because they maybe only know how to do a little bit of video and stills. They don't know slow motion. You know, there's, I think the market sure. is absolutely there. Question is, do, can we reach them in this, you know, 40 day period? You know, for anybody watching this, go, go to the Kickstarter page and help us out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the great thing about the Kickstarter is like, we're going to have, you know, hopefully five, 10,000 people that are going to be our beta testers. They're going to be part of this community. They're going to be involved and part of, part of our community trying to make this as good as possible. Because once again, we're doing this for them. We're not doing this for us. You know, like the, the idea that, you know, we mm -hmm. have people that could mm -hmm. test it out and tell us, oh, I got a little lost here or, or, oh, I would love more information here. Or we're going to take that feedback and we're going to run with it. I mean, we're really trying to make this an amazing platform that in every way just combines arts and sciences together. I don't want you to have to choose engineering school or art school anymore. I want you to be able to just be a creative person and do creative stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's, mm -hmm. that's succinct. Well, uh, Steve, thank you very much for the conversation on this uh, Monday morning. We appreciate it so much. Yeah, no, I appreciate it too. This is great. It's been great chatting about it and, uh, you know, have a good Thanksgiving in Canada. Um, <laughs> The episode that you've been listening to was recorded a few weeks before Steve launched the Garage Learning on Kickstarter. And during the editing of this episode, I was able to catch up with Steve and find out just how that Kickstarter's going. So Steve, this is really exciting. Your Kickstarter went live just about two weeks ago. Yeah, it, absolutely. It was, it's been an exciting run so far. We're in the, uh, the middle stages now, which are not quite as much fun, but the beginning <laughs> was really, really exciting. Yeah, I saw that you guys have already gotten just about the halfway point of your pledge total that you're looking for. Uh, that's fantastic. It looks like you are on track to be a <laughs> successful Kickstarter. Yep, I, I hope so. I think, you know, we've, we've still had a lot of interest, a lot of people messaging us, asking questions, and, you know, I think we're going to start kind of ramping up towards the end. What's the, uh, what's the engagement been like with the community? I see that there's quite a few comments from people. Uh, a lot of people seem really excited about what's happening. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we, we found that we have these, like we're calling super fans, which are the people like we love so much that, you know, are actually promoting it for us. And they're, they're actually answering comments that people leave, whether they be positive or negative about, you know, they sharing their experience that they've had with us. So no, it's been really great. And we're really super thankful to have these fans that have been, you know, backing us and pushing us down the road. Mm -hmm. And how do you feel that people are learning about um, the garage learning? You know, how are they coming to the Kickstarter? Is it something that's just word of mouth? Have you been doing a lot of advertising for it? It seems like you've had some press actually around this. Uh, yeah, no, we've had a good amount of press. You know, luckily we, we already have some existing relationships and just sharing my content over the years and our stuff going viral. So um, those and some new people that have jumped in, you know, just really, really excited about the project. With that as well, we have a huge Instagram following. It's only growing faster and faster and faster. And that's so much of the source of where people are coming from. Uh, but we were really lucky that Kickstarter also chose us as a, a project they love. Mm. So that also drove a lot of traffic as well early on. And as we move through this, I think we're going to pick up some more 
people from the Kickstarter community that are all of, you know, the really cool thing about our project is it, it, it aligns with a lot of the different verticals they have, you know, it's art, food, DIY, electronics, like it, it really kind of hits on a lot of those things. And, and the hope is that we'll convert some new people and make, you know, welcome them to our garage learning family. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so as someone who's an educator, uh, you know, I'm very aware of how this year has turned into uh, remote learning because of the, uh, the pandemic. And so I think that's another aspect of this is that it's almost like uh, garage learning is, is being released at, at just the right time. Uh, we don't know what position we'll be in with this virus. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll be beyond lockdown. Yeah. But um, but it is something that is obviously on people's minds right now. Is how do we how do we move forward with education, and how do we do this remotely? It's also been affecting the campaign in some ways too. We've definitely get reached out by people that are having a hard time right now, and they're just like, "I really want to do it." Mm-hmm. You know, will it still be going next year? And you know, whatever. I was like, "Hey, as long as we." reach our goal. Also, you know, we were offering these in-person weekend workshops as one of the possible rewards and those have not been doing so well, I think, because a lot of people are just really worried about having to travel here and having to interact with other people, you know, as much as, you know, we're with those weekend workshops, which would be an amazing experience for people. It, we're going to apply the same things we do on, on shoots that we're doing now for clients with, you know, all the, the suitable PPE and temperature checks and questionnaires and, you know, social distancing and all that stuff. So I think they would be fine. But, you know, I could see how people could be worried about having to, to travel for that. Yeah, absolutely. And it seems like that's something you could also very easily bring back later on when, you know, there's more of a roadmap for what what the future is going to look like. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, great. Is there anything else that you want to showcase or, or bring up about the campaign? Uh, yeah, I just want to say that we've learned a lot from people and their feedback and their their questions and and what they're confused by or what they're really excited by. You know, so I would say for people, just reach out to us if you have any questions about anything. If you want clarity on anything, we're literally here ready to answer those questions. We're actually doing a little redesign for the page. So that, that should be live in the next couple of weeks um, to really kind of emphasize exactly what we're trying to do and in a little more detail than we have so far. So, you know, keep keep watching the page. It's not done. It's not like the page that's up right now isn't going to be the same page you're going to see at the end of the campaign where we're literally live kind of applying all the feedback and knowledge we're getting from people uh, back into the company, which is the main reason we did a Kickstarter was to get that, you know, kind of focus group of potential clients and and make sure we tweak what we're doing to make them happy. Amazing. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a fantastic initiative and I can definitely see how this could be going for years and years on end. We, we hope so. Yeah, absolutely. Steve, thanks so much again for this recap. Uh, and thanks again for being uh, such an amazing guest on our show. Uh, Hugh and I both wish you all the best and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks so much. And thank you everybody for, for watching listening. <laughs> this episode of Can't Sell This was produced in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. All creative content contained in this episode is copyright Stefan Grambart and Hugh Elliott. Intro voice by Jeff Wright. Intro music track is Energy by Not Of from their 2015 album Peak. Questions or comments can be sent to admin at can'tsellthispodcast.com. Any other information can be found at can'tsellthispodcast.com. Oops, yeah.